0: Adam Brackney is not anyone's little worker man. A classically trained artist who worked in graphic design, he's since struck out on his own with his design skills and a series of nomad machines. At WKRMN on Instagram and running his own shop, Adam is a guy making great stuff and building his own unique brand. What can your CNC side hustle turned full-time really look like? Ask the Worker Man. You're listening to The Maker's Garage from Carbide 3D. So what got you started making things?
1: Uh, Well, up until about seven years ago, I was a strictly digital graphic designer. Everything was just digital, Photoshop, Illustrator. I did a lot of corporate design work, and uh, I made my first physical thing for my dad, and it was a pocket knife and he's like a really manly man, construction worker, and you know I I had always been, you know, computer nerd, digital and I thought I'm going to make him something cool and manly. <clears throat> so I made him the knife and he loved it. And at that time Instagram was just sort of brand new and uh, I posted a picture of the knife on my Instagram. I had like 20 followers, you know, half of them were my family. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it it got you know 10 likes and I was like oh cool people love it (laughs) and so that kind of sparked my love of you know making physical things and uh I think I was also getting tired of uh the corporate design world of you know you you design something and it's gone the next month to be replaced by the next iteration Mm -hmm. and uh the, the thought of making something physical that would last a lot longer uh really appealed to me so what was your technical education then in the digital space? I went to a technical college for 2 years for uh fine art, illustration and painting. In my last year there, Adobe Illustrator had just come out and I kind of got hooked on Adobe Illustrator and I was kind of self-taught after that, all you know, YouTube.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you yeah like everybody else. When you wanted to start making stuff in the physical world, this is something I hear from engineers too, uh, not, not just digital artists, that they get really tired of simply doing CAD work and they want to go ahead and make something. And I know Winston here, that was one of his his deals, as he says, I've been CADing everything forever and I, I was making nothing, and so I wanted to start making things. What was one of yeah. your first steps or how did you start to approach, hey, I want to do physical work?
1: Okay, so I guess, The first tool I ever got that would help me make physical stuff was a belt sander and that was the only tool I had for. (laughs) Probably about almost a year and I made a ton of stuff on that belt sander. you you would be amazed what you can make with a belt sander you can shape things you can make things. I guess you know we have a small single car garage here in my house and I had belt sander I had a really, really bad uh, craftsman bandsaw. And I would go to the local wood store and I'd get some kind of wood. I didn't even know what kind of wood it was. And I'd come home and just start, uh, you know, sanding and cutting and trying to make stuff. And I think I, at that time, I also started seeing people on Instagram who were woodworkers. And I would look at their small products that they were making. And that would kind of make me think, you know, hey, I could probably do something like that and maybe bring some of my uh, graphic design skills into that world as well. I never really wanted to do, you know, traditional fine woodworking like furniture or anything like that. I wanted to make sculptures or, you know, more graphic related things, I guess.
0: Yeah, so definitely had an art bin from the beginning. I mean, just going through yeah. your Instagram, it's I mean, it's <laughs> knives, knife scales, knife holders, coffee scoops, beans yeah. shirts, sweatshirts as soft as clouds, uh, um, <laughs> keychains, earrings, dice that could kill people. I, those are awesome, by the way. You've sold blanks, you've done stash boxes that my dad would have loved. Yeah. Figurines and animals. I mean, it's so diverse. How have you approached the exploration of this? Is this simply a run of your interests? What is what is the progression for you? And what does that word progression mean to you?
1: Uh, you know, I'm a very fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. I'll come up with an idea and I want to knock knock it out that day. And if it doesn't work, I move on to the next thing. And so, you know, like you said, I, my my design gamut is pretty wide and uh, I like making fun things. You know, I don't want to make the same thing over and over. Sometimes I'll do a run of, you know, like the knives, I'll do 200 of those and then that's it. Like after that, I get bored and I don't want to make it anymore. And I feel like if I don't want to make it, it's not going to turn out good because my heart's not in it, you know. so i always want to be excited i always want to be having fun when i'm making something and uh you know it's also a little bit of pushing the boundaries of what this little machine can do because i make everything with the nomad i mean just about everything i'd say 80 to 90 percent of all the stuff on my instagram has been through that nomad at some points and i like pushing the boundaries of what that machine can do or, or what another tool can do you know If I get a new tool, it's like, well, what can I make with that? How can I use that to make a product?
0: How did you approach learning CAD?
1: CAD was, man, I think just all YouTube. I, so I bit the bullet and got the Nomad about, I think right after the very first Nomad, right after the Kickstarter was done, I had just learned about CNC at that time. I had no idea what CNC was. I had no idea what 3D design was, CAD, nothing and my instagram had just sort of blown up around that same period too with the knives Mm -hmm. and i was getting a lot of requests to make more stuff and i just couldn't do it because everything was belt sander you know i was just rough sanding everything so i thought how can i make more and i started looking into cnc and that's when i came across desktop cnc and the Carbide 3d i bought the machine and i when it was shipping i thought i better learn cad i better figure out how to do that so uh, i got fusion 360 you know for free the student edition or whatever and i just sort of started watching youtube videos and i was really really bad of course at first everything was very simple and not complicated but now over time i feel like i've gotten a little bit better over the past couple of years yeah so that's kind of how i got into cad And and i love it now it's amazing
0: so you started with the original Nomad eight eight three, yep,
1: yep. Yeah, i got had the eight eight the eight eight three, the Pro, and now I now I have the three. Yeah. Do you have all three of them going still? Then? I do. Yep. Okay. They all work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. No, it's
0: it's interesting the progression of machines that you've kept because I I see the amount of stuff coming out. I go, there's
1: no way it's one Nomad that's making all well, seven. It's always been one nomad at a time though. I mean, there was only a, maybe about two months where I was running both at the same time. Uh, but it was a little too hard running back and forth. So everything is always just one machine. It depends on what I make, you know, I like I make a lot of these little small boxes. Yeah. And you know, I can get 10 of those in one little eight inch by eight inch square. And that is also sort of how I go about designing stuff too. You know, I I think about my workspace size and what can I squeeze out of that.
0: Can I steal your ghost logo? I mean, I, I love that thing. It, it just connects with me for whatever reason. I just, I, what's the genesis behind it? And some of your other regular logos or movements or whatever, like Bonehead and some of the other stuff that repeat yeah. you throughout your your Instagram.
1: Well, I wish there was a really cool story behind the ghost, but there's really not. I was just sort of sitting at my kitchen table one day, and all, all I used to have was I have like the globe logo also, which is the circle with sort of the. Fingerprint lines in it. And I used that for many years and I was getting a little tired of it. And I was just sitting at the table one day and I thought, what other kind of funny little icon thing can I do? And I just doodled the ghost and I didn't think anything of it. And it's just sort of snowballed into that's like my new logo now, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do yeah. like all
1: the repeating patterns though throughout your work. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's sort of my way as uh, I guess branding, I guess you would say, Build, building a brand, which I don't really like to consider myself a brand, but I guess it sort of helps to sell your stuff.
0: Yeah. Why Workerman and the WKRM?
1: Uh, well, Workerman has a pretty good story behind it, I guess. I'll, I'll make it really quick. Back in the corporate design days, I worked at a small design firm here in St. Paul, very, very small. I mean, four or five people. And I was the sole designer. And I was tasked with making all of the print merchandise as well. And all of our packaging, So they built me a small little room, a windowless room where I would print out everything and glue and cut and assemble hundreds of little boxes and custom stuff and signs. And one day my boss came by who really, really smart guy, but kind of uh, tough. And he called me, oh, you're like my little worker, man. And that kind of really bugged me. It really irritated me. (laughs) And so I quit a few months later. It, this is after many years of working there, and so it had built up. It wasn't just the worker man comments, but that's sort of what pushed me over the edge. And I thought, you know what? I'll show you. I'll I'll be the little worker man, and that's kind of where the name came from. And then uh, I shortened it to just WKRM man, just to be cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, yeah, I'm picturing something a little bit like Office Space. Like you yes, in the it basement. was exactly like
1: a, yes, <laughs> lots of kicking the printer and yeah stuck in a room
0: but now you're yeah. stuck in a room that has poor lighting just your garage I don't understand.
1: can we get that yeah, room no, I'm in just that? in my own room now <laughs> I just yell at myself all day <laughs>
0: <laughs> right right I love that
1: why knives That's played such a,
0: a big role at the very beginning what was it about knives
1: um well you know the first knife I made for my dad that really sort of stuck with me in my head and uh that also opened the door for me to find out about this EDC community, which is the everyday carry people, people who just carry pocket knives, they pocket tools, just gear, you know, and I've always liked stuff. I like things. So I guess that whole world of this stuff that you bring with me kind of seemed fun and interesting. I never knew that there were crazy expensive pocket knives crazy designed pocket knives i'd only seen you know home depot with the little 14 dollar flipping knife right. so seeing these people with this incredible technical skill making these beautiful you know works of art that were also functional right. uh that really appealed to me yeah
0: yeah that's interesting you bring up kind of function and talking to other people in terms mm-hmm. of what they're selling or how things sell they, they really get back to kind of personalization and that can be To a region to a person to a design but also utility have you you found that to be true in your products
1: as well the utility helps to move them oh absolutely i try to make something that's somewhat useful i mean a lot of my stuff isn't really that useful but it's got something to it um you know like the dice I made that just because it's sort of this cool little sculptural thing, but you can use it you can play with it in a game, if you want to a lot of my boxes are you know you can't really hold very much in them because they're kind of a goofy size, but they look cool and you could use it my favorite thing I ever made the stash mask. You know it's really cool it's an art piece, it can hold a lot of stuff it can hang on the wall, so I like merging art with something usable, I guess, yeah.
0: Who are your customers and are they roaming like the, the back alleys of Minneapolis all the time and they're in danger that they need to punch somebody? Or
1: <laughs> who are these folks? So you're referring to the boneheads and the womps, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah. It's kind of an embarrassing product that I make. I don't like making those. Okay. And my mom doesn't like that I make those either. <laughs>
0: there's a lot and of them
1: though. There's a lot of them. and. Truth be told, it's my number one selling thing of all time. And it's very surprising to me. I I don't want to say it's embarrassing to make them because I do love them. They're fun to make, but it is a, you know, a a hurting tool, I guess. But I don't think anyone ever uses them for that purpose. A lot of people buy this stuff, you know, they're collectors. They just, they're like me. They like things. They like getting things. So I think they get that and they just post it on Instagram. That's all it's really for. <laughs> it's an yeah. expensive Instagram background prop. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's not Minnesota. Nice. To- no, it's not
1: Minnesota. Nice. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got a chance to do some awards recently. I I really yeah. liked them. You put together Walnut Brass and Rich Light. I mean, yeah. that's not the like about any any of those materials. Perfect combo. Yeah. Uh, what did you enjoy? about that project? And how did it kind of challenge you in different ways than some of the other things you've been making?
1: Boy, I mean, the best thing about that project was they said, do whatever you want. They were fans of my work already. So that was a good thing and also a bad thing because, you know, when someone says, do whatever you want, it's like, well, what do I do? It's, it's nice to have some sort of direction. I wanted to make something clean, different, Um, A lot of the awards for that particular category out there were very gaudy big giant golden chalices that just seemed like they were from the 80s, you know. And I wanted it to be my style they said they like my stuff so I wanted to make something that I would design. And then I guess the other thing that went into that design was I was making it with the nomad three so I was limited by that eight by eight space, what could I do with that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so I, they just came out beautifully. I, I really like the layers and the different materials and the kind of contrast of the whole thing. It wasn't a departure from what you do, but it was distinctly different than a lot of other stuff you do.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I think it was maybe about four different setups in the machine, too. There was, you know, the first op- operation, cutting the walnut, second operation, uh, engraving and then filling with the uh, brass and then all the side rich light panels were also cut on the Nomad also and engraved. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and you get into some different materials too. Ultem or uh, polyethramide is one of your other favorites. Yeah. Why
1: Why that material and how do you source new materials and find new stuff to work with? I love materials. I mean, I, that goes back to like just loving stuff and things. Uh, there's so many different materials out there, so many different colors and textures And I guess it also relates back to my graphic design days of, you know, color palettes. You're basically working with a new color palette. The Altem is awesome because it's the color of it is natural. It's a natural amber color. It's very, very strong. It's very stiff. Uh, A lot of people see it and they think, oh, it's just a piece of plastic, but it's not. It's like super duty, you know, science plastic, I guess. But it just sort of has this magical quality to it. When you hold it up to the light, it looks like frosted glass. But yeah, I I love finding new materials. I get them from everywhere. There's a lot of people on Instagram who they're makers just like me, but all they make is material. There's a guy in, I think, Tennessee, Greg Hansen, who built his own press in his garage, a giant, like a 30-ton press. And he makes fabric micarta all day, just all kinds of different colors and patterns. And it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. And there's another guy in Russia who does kind of the same thing, but a little bit different. It's fun to find new materials and sort of see what they look like when you machine them and, you know, see how they perform. You also need to kind of stand out, I guess. A lot of people use the same stuff. So it's fun to find new things to kind of be the first one to use this new material. What was the HoloTapo stuff? Oh, so that was some uh, that was material that I made uh, here in my basement. Uh, Yeah, I machined a... Uh, mold or I made a silicone mold out of a machined blank of a sort of a topographic landscape and then the hollow shred was sort of like this very fine holographic I think they called it or I called it laser whiskers because it looked like beard whiskers but they were holographic that was sort of sprinkled into a clear resin that also had some uh gunmetal gray pearlescent resin that was very popular I made a lot of that for you know a few months I think maybe 200 or 300 slabs of that for other knife makers to use or whoever wanted to use it. Yeah. yeah Cause
0: you were making scales for a little bit. I thought that I was, yeah,
1: that was a lot of fun too. I, I, I love making uh, materials for other people to create their stuff with too.
0: How do you approach pricing?
1: That's hard. Pricing has always been really, really difficult for me, you know, looking at what other people are selling similar items for is a good place to start, but it also depends on your, your history, you know, if you are a brand new maker and you're you've got your very first thing coming out, you could price your stuff at the same level as everyone else, but you might want to go a little lower. I mean, pricing's hard. It's I always have a really hard time talking about that. I mean, if you have any advice for me on pricing, I would love to hear it. <laughs> I always feel much. like I'm overpriced.
0: No, I I got the more I've done it, the more I think like go 30% higher than you think it should be. Maybe that's what everyone says. Yeah. And, and it is, and lots of times I'll go through and look at, okay, where I've had a couple people give me some pricing models. Okay. Take your time, take your materials, mark your materials up by 30%, mark your time up by 30%. And I generally come out to the number that I sort of thought of anyway, if I was thinking a little bit high on something, yeah, uh, I think a lot of people struggle with, will people want to buy my stuff? And if they don't want to buy my stuff, does that then have value or not? Um, and I mean, and I think about, hey, you got to change your customers because yeah. there are a lot of folks who've got buy a CNC and you hear, oh, people in my area won't pay this.
1: Yeah. Well, your area is the internet. You yeah. know <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I struggle with that too. Will will people want to buy this? Every time I make something new, I, that thought goes through my head, is anyone going to want to buy this? So, you know, you can't be scared by that. I guess it's just, it's normal. Do you know Jacob Lundquist? I do, yeah. He's here in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, I know.
0: I was just wondering what it was with Minnesota guys and knives because we had uh, yeah, <laughs> Joe a couple weeks ago. <laughs> it yeah, was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, he's cool, dude. Yeah, I, I love his little knife. He did uh, a lot of that on the on the Nomad too. Yeah,
0: yeah, he yeah. does it all. He he was cutting more scales this weekend, and and yeah. kind of like you exploring new materials, not with the same artistic bend. I really, yeah. He's not
1: as good as I am, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There's oh, the ball for the kidding. show. Okay. <laughs> Jacob Lundq was not as good as I am. <laughs> Are you out on your
0: own
1: 100%? 100%, yeah. For the past uh five years, six years. Yeah.
0: Okay. What yeah. were your goals in making that decision to finally go out on your own? And how have you performed against
1: those? It just sort of happened. You know, when I quit my last graphic design job, I wasn't totally done with it. I I did a lot of freelance work after that. At the same time, I was sort of getting into CNC, so I was still paying bills by doing freelance jobs around town, graphic design stuff. And then it gradually just sort of snowballed into, hey, I can pay five of my bills with this CNC by making these little things. And that feeling kind of pushed me to make more stuff and more stuff, and it grew from there. Um, And now it's amazing, like, you know, your own boss, you can do whatever you want, you can work whenever you want, kind of. But yeah, it's great.
0: What would you say to somebody who's thinking about getting into CNC?
1: Do it, do it. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. If you want to, if you've got the urge to make something and you have, you think you have a good idea and you know, you're a little bit technically skilled with, you know, it, it's not all about CNC. you got to know how to mm-hmm. do a little bit of handwork as well. So if you've got that ability, get a CNC because it's, it's so worth it. It's the best purchase I've ever made in my life for sure. I mean, it's, Change my life, really, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, do it. Where
0: do your ideas come from? I think that's one of the other things people struggle with. Is hey, I I don't know what I would make with the machine.
1: Yeah, that's a hard question too. I mean, my ideas just sort of they're so random. They just pop in my head, and I mean they're goofy. You you see the stuff I make, it's goofy stuff. You you can go on Etsy. You can see what's selling well, and you can think about making something similar to what other people are doing, which is fine. And there's always a market for everything, you know. Start with a box. People love boxes—little jewelry boxes, ring boxes. Those always sell. I guess it's different if you're going to get a machine to start a business. You have to have a different mindset than someone who's getting a machine to just, you know, make things for friends and family. Yeah, ideas come from everywhere, I guess.
0: (laughs) You you describe yourself on your site as having a restless mind.
1: I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of a curse. You know, I'll I'll make one thing and then I hate it the next day and I make something else and it, it's, that's how it always is. What do you like the most or what what are you most proud of? I think the thing I liked most was probably my stash mask. That was the one thing that I've made that was sort of the most significant, I guess, the most uh, involved. It was a lot, a lot of work making those, a lot of wrapping your head around, uh, a lot of CAD work, a lot of really hard cnc work lots of different flip jigs mm-hmm. everything was double sided triple sided and then also a lot of fine woodworking out in the garage assembling it all yeah it, it sort of took all of my combined skills to to make that so i think I, so far that's probably my favorite thing i've done yeah
0: yeah it could be a little mind bending and the, the restless mm-hmm. mind thing can get you at about 2 30 in the morning if you happen to wake up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> wear yeah. you out. <laughs> yeah. What haven't we talked about that that you would want to say about, about CNC of the creative process or somebody who's looking to get in or, or
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people still have the perception that CNC is a push button and out pops a product mm-hmm. kind of a thing, you know? That's mentioned a lot. And You've got to get past that stigma. <laughs> it's hard. CNC is hard uh, at first, but it's fun. Yeah. So I, I guess if you want to get into CNC, be be prepared to learn a lot of new things. You'll feel good learning them too, because it, it feels really awesome to kind of be real technical and, and program this machine to do these cool things. Yeah. You got to have calipers.
0: Yes. Yes. And you'll find yourself with them floating around everywhere. Yes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think of it as it's going to be as hard as you want it to be because you could very easily kind of push yourself to a little, a little level, a small level mm-hmm. that makes some cool stuff. That's mm-hmm. pretty easy to get to. And mm-hmm. you can hang out there all day long. Yeah. I, I I get the perception you like me, I get to, to a point and I'm like, well, why can't I go 15% past that or, yes. or even 50% past that? Hey, let's, let's, let's send it and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. At times I'm aggravated by that. And other times I'm like, Hey, Wow, look at look
1: at that. Look at me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels pretty cool to, to push uh, your push the machine to the limit, you know, and make something that you didn't think you could do when, when you start out when I started out with uh, CNC everything was 2d, you know, I was just doing 2d contours of whatever, uh, making flat stuff Christmas ornaments, you know, whatever. Yeah, it feels really cool to actually be able to make a multi part item to assemble together all right there in your house. Mm-hmm. You know, and it and it's kind of got that instant gratification feeling to it too. Like you, you get an idea, and you don't have to have someone else make it for you. You can do it yourself. Yeah.
0: Where can people find you, reach out to you, and be a fan of your stuff?
1: Uh, Instagram is my number one spot. It's kind of my only spot. I don't have Facebook or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's at WKRMN, or maybe it's at Workerman. I don't know. There's a link to my website from there, and that's it. I'm on those two. I keep it simple. Yeah. What's coming next in the store? Oh, don't ask me me that. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Nobody knows (laughs) till tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is great. i really big fan of your stuff. Enjoyed watching the feed and the different things you're making. And it's a pleasure to have you on here. Thanks for taking the time.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for having me and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to The Maker's Garage from Carbide 3D. Be sure and check out our library of previous episodes featuring guests from across the creative universe.